Good morning. You're just in time. Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe, your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement. Let's start our day together. Good morning, friends. Come on in, pull up a chair. I'm Dave Orsborn. And I'm Amanda Miller, and we are ecstatic to have you with us in the St. Gabriel Cafe, our live and local morning show. Cameron Clutters, our barista, and today the church celebrates the presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary. We're also continuing our series on the Beatitudes with Dr. Marlon Della Torre. Today, blessed are the peacemakers. They will be called children of God. And if that's not enough, <laughs> our friends, Christiana Lee and Mike Lamort will be in the cafe to continue our conversation on gratitude as we dive into the lives of some of our favorite saints. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning, Dave. How are you? Mm, feeling better today. Awesome. Yeah. It's a new day. It's a new day. <laughs> you start us with a prayer? In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we, we praise you and we thank you for another day. Thank you for all your blessings. We ask for your guidance in our day-to-day. Whatever we have before us, help us to see you in all things, to be grateful in every moment, to lift our hearts to you. We ask in particular for those special graces that we, each of us, particularly need. And we ask this all through the intercession of Mary. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Every day that we honor our Blessed Mother is an especially good day, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Today's the presentation of Mary. Where was she presented, Amanda? <laughs> Did you say where or yeah. what? Or how? Um, well, she's presented in the temple, mm-hmm. not to be confused with the presentation of Jesus. Right. Her presentation. Her, her mom, according to tradition, brought Mary, her mom, Anna, right? Mm-hmm. Brought Mary to the temple to present her to the Lord when Mary was three years old. Yeah. Um, I guess I didn't realize she was three. So that was a surprise for me to learn today. Isn't that I mean, just a great image of uh, holding hands, you know, walking up to the temple? Mm-hmm. You know, it little really Mary is. walking like a toddler. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, St. Gregory uh, Palamas, a beautiful little reflection in today's Magnificat. You know, Mary always brings us to, uh, to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And uh, St. Gregory's uh, reflection, let us two brethren move our dwelling place from earth to on high let us be changed from flesh to spirit and transfer our longing from fleeting concerns to things that endure yeah what stuck out to you in that just yeah make make some changes you know follow mary to the lord Mm -hmm. yeah do what we need to do and mary mary will take us by the hand just like anna took hers that's right yeah that's a beautiful image couple announcements. Oh. Some things happening around town coming up. Great. So a young lady from Delaware, Mary Meredith Joy Keller, is releasing an EP. Mm. That's uh, 
Well, yeah, what does that mean? It's music. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Digitally on Thanksgiving Day. Okay. So you can probably find that on Spotify then. I would imagine. And she also has a website, MeredithJoyKeller.com. The EP is called Home. And two of the tracks are Belong to You and All I Want, All I Need. Mm. You know, I personally haven't heard her yet, so I look forward to listening. Mm -hmm. Um, But I hear it's beautiful. She has a great message in her music as well. We received a couple phone calls from area friends letting us know that it's dropping on Thanksgiving. So, yeah, take a look. Take a look. And coming up on December 6th at 7 p.m., Dr. Edward Sree will be at St. Andrew's Parish in Upper Arlington for an evening mission on the Eucharist. So again, that's at St. Andrew Church on December 6th at 7 p.m. It's open to everybody. They're asking that you do register so they have an idea of uh, how many folks are coming. And you can do that at standrewparish.cc, standrewparish.cc, or you can use your favorite search engine to find it as well. And should we tease, we have a big announcement coming up on Monday for Advent. And we'll be, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to divulge too much, <laughs> okay. but uh, yeah, we're going to be doing something really special during the Advent season. Mm-hmm. And we're inviting all of our friends, all the cafe listeners to participate with us. So come back on Monday. <laughs> we'll tell tuned. you more. Stay tuned <laughs> as they say. And without any further ado is our friend, Dr. Marlon Delatore. Good morning, Dr. Marlon. Good morning, Amanda. How are you both? Good morning. Blessed. How are you doing? Wonderful. Doing well. Doing well. Blessed and uh, grateful for another day. Amen. Amen. We're continuing our series on the Beatitudes. Today, number seven, blessed are the peacemakers. Mm-hmm. They will be called mm-hmm. children of God. Absolutely. Um, I think uh, when, when you look at this particular transition, there's a progression with the Beatitudes, David and Amanda, where our Lord is now asking us through this Beatitudinal call to be more directly involved in the respect and the dignity and the affirmation of the human being. And so for our listeners, when we look at the Beatitudes, they're the path to salvation. They're, they're the complement and the continuity and the transition from the law of God and the commandments that we see in Exodus 20, now to an exercise of the will, the intellect, on how to live out that law through the beatitude. And in, in this beatitude, whether we are the light of the world or the salt of the earth, if you read in Matthew's Gospel, progressing from Matthew 5 through Matthew 6 and 7, um, there's a distinction there where our Lord uh, begins to heal, begins to select and choose his apostles, begins to intimate prayer as the key to live a life according to his will, according to God's plan. And so peacemakers really set the stage on bearing fruit in the name of Christ. That means bearing fruit in friendship, bearing fruit in the defense of the faith, bearing fruit in being charitable to those who may disagree with you, uh, because everything really is a focus on Jesus Christ. And as we approach the Feast of Christ the King, uh, the imagery of Christ the King allows us to reflect and be a servant to those in need and be sacrificial to those in need. So some of the underpinnings related to this particular beatitude, because it's not about just simply seeking our own reconciliation, 
that that's not the intent of this particular beatitude. But it's also seeking just a love to reconcile ourselves with others, to instill peace in relationships, and to really seek a most prudent and profound way of communicating with someone, uh, because the gift of charity reigns supreme, or should, in these things. So this is some of the underpinning of the background related to this uh, particular beatitude. So it's a lot more than just getting along and being nice. Oh, gosh, absolutely. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, I mean, a pat on the back may, may, be, um, may be something that uh, gets you by for about the first minute, but I think it's, <laughs> if a, it's that, more right? the, if <laughs> that, um, or maybe, maybe that, 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 that general tenial smile that you may give someone, well, that, that might not be enough. But really, it's taking the time to converse with somebody. It's taking the time to, even with your enemies that you may not like, or there may be a disposition that you just don't care for. Uh, even there, we're called to seek some type of peace or reconciliation. Um, and really, it comes down to this willingness, whether we want to be humble about it or not, which is probably one of the most challenging uh, virtues that any human being faces on the planet on a daily basis. So. So this is all part of this, this beautiful edification of uh, being a peacemaker. No, so, so much of that disposition, very often that first movement, that first change within ourselves is forgiveness. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it is, it's challenging to seek reconciliation within ourselves or to even give ourselves the opportunity to be forgiven. Um this is this is how the devil works, unfortunately, where he doesn't force you, he doesn't coerce you, he propositions you to think that you're not worthy. And that's probably one of the entryways that we all face, and that also becomes an impediment to those that we're trying to seek reconciliation with. Um, they might fight against you, whether you want to forgive them or not. They may not accept it, may not embrace it, or reject it altogether. But th- this becomes part of this... Uh, this uh, I always call beautiful drama of faith, um, because ultimately it's through our baptism that we're called to seek the kingdom of God, and part of that call is to try to seek reconciliation and find solace in our Lord. Mm-hmm. Dr. Marlon Delatorre is here with us in the cafe. We're talking about blessed are the peacekeepers. You know, uh, doctor, with the uh, situation in Gaza, a, a term that we've heard a lot recently is ceasefire. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but actual peacemaking goes well beyond just declaring a ceasefire. Oh, it, it does. Remember, one of the titles of our Lord is Prince of Peace. And when you really unpack that title, and we get this from Isaiah, um, where we, we talk about our Lord being the Prince of Peace, uh, being the Prince of Calm. And the, the particular understanding of Prince of Peace means that all things rest in God not a man. So being a peacemaker requires us to really place ourselves before a Trinitarian mindset, Mm. that God is our Father, our Lord is our King, and the Holy Spirit is our messenger and our guide. And when you look at Christ as Prince of Peace, and what the prophet Isaiah references, we, we see this unique ability to place ourselves and place our trust before Him first, that our ability to seek peace first must come from Him. He's our direct uh, conduit for that. And so we tend to forget that from time to time. But everything that's happening in the Middle East, unfortunately, um, by the will of man, you see what is happening. By the will of uh, their own uh, determined might, 
and, and understand that that men can uh, unfortunately do this to each other. And so what we're trying to do is, is try to find a resolution or some type of at least, I would say, a, a preferred way of not hurting each other. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, that yeah. can be difficult for a lot of people. But really, when we focus on this issue of Prince of Peace, really, our, our Lord is our first and foremost saving grace. And it's our entryway into being in solace with God. When I think of that um, kind of on the individual level and this idea of ceasefire, Dave, I, I liked that you kind of used that word, actually, because when I think about it in the day-to-day life, my ability to have peace with my neighbor isn't just me maybe ceasefire, you know, keeping my mouth shut or... Um, mm-hmm. But because if I'm seething inside, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really not cultivating right. that interior peace or that peace with my neighbor. Correct. Correct. And, and, and then you bring up a good point because there, when you look at say the, the, the title of Prince of Peace, um, there is a progression there. Uh, when you look at this beautiful relationship and you look at that whole dynamic um, that we can imitate and emulate in many ways, because uh, really part of uh, being a peacemaker is really taking and understanding the blood of the cross, what happened with our Lord. I think people don't tend to realize that the, the sacrifice that we encounter of our Lord on the cross is actually a very um, healing and peaceful event because that's where Christ conquers death and sin. Death and sin no longer have a sting. And that opens the entry for us to, to be peacemakers to seek the kingdom of God in others and to bring others back home to the church. So there's a lot of interplay with what you said. And we have to keep in mind that Christ did not experience peace himself. He was killed in a hostile way. Um, if, we, if we carefully look at the, the whole description of his death and his, his journey on the cross, on his way to the cross, people were applauding all right, his death. People were clapping that is that that's not peaceful, that that's a direct attack on God himself through his son. And so why Christ's call to be a peacemaker is so significant is to not be like those who clapped for his death or who clapped at the point of his death. Uh, we want to avoid that. And if we take that understanding, it doesn't matter what difficult challenge we may have with, with a relationship with a friend, a neighbor, what have you, we can overcome that. Yeah, and, and not sort of say clapping at um, this idea of, you know, I, there, I think there's also people struggle with, um, oh, what's the word? Maybe like a, a wanting to get back at someone, you know, mm-hmm. or, wanting, or, being yeah, or wanting justice to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> yeah, just this idea of, of cultivating that inner peace, I think is, is really important. Oh, absolutely. I think when you do an examination of conscience, all right, and, and I've mentioned this before, but and, and it may sound like a broken vinyl record, but really it's very important that uh, any type of beatitude, uh, when we've been focusing on peacemakers, whether it's pure of heart, whether it's merciful, etc., or blessed are those who are persecuted coming up, um, our own examine is key. Uh, the, the way we look at ourselves and the way we walk into our relationship with, with God and how we handle our vices, our wounds, things of that nature, um, 
hopefully brings brings us to a greater clarity of how we are to behave, how we are to communicate. Um, because in many respects, uh, the opposite happens. We tend to defend our actions, defend ourselves, and, and that's not being peaceful. That's not fostering charity or in a relationship or in a situation or wanting to seek vengeance on someone. My, my wife asks us, why do I want vengeance? Why is vengeance mine right now? And so those things are, are key because it's the very thing that Christ is warning us as he progressed in his journey through Bethany, through Israel itself, um, through Jerusalem, warning the people, especially using the, the examples of, of the Samaritan woman, all right, uh, uh, using the, the basic parable of the talents, uh, ex- describing the whole uh, premise behind the prodigal son. So all these examples are really very beatitudinal in nature because they're all meant to seek forgiveness, healing, peace when you look at them. And so that this becomes very poignant for our Lord. Dr. Marlon Delatore is here with us in the cafe. At every Mass, uh, Doctor, we're in- encouraged or directed even uh, to offer each other a sign of peace. Mm-hmm. And that comes yeah. right after the Our Father, right? Absolutely. The significance liturgically of the sign of peace is <clears throat> basically, will you prepare to pray well, live well, go well with our Lord? And so in other words, you have the, the beautiful interplay when you give somebody the sign of peace, all right, uh, during a Sunday liturgy, all right, after you have the whole progression of the liturgy of the Word leading into the liturgy of the Eucharist, when you're about to receive the blessings of our Lord, this means that we are wishing each other a proper disposition to receive Him, that we're all united as one in the body of Christ, and that we extend our hand and say, peace be with you, my brother, peace be with you, my sister. We are about to collaborate and share and be in full communion with our Lord and receive Him. This is very significant because we need to be in a proper spiritual, mental, emotional, and psychological disposition to receive Him and not be distracted. So we're literally interceding for one another when we give each other the sign of peace. And that's something that people tend to forget. It's not just shaking their head, oh, hi, haven't seen you last week, I'm glad you're back here at Mass. It's not that. It's a question of, I want you to be prepared to receive Him. Mm -hmm. And that becomes this beautiful intercessory element of the liturgy that we have in here. And really it's it's an affirmation of, of, of the sign of peace, which is very apropos as we prepare to receive our Lord. And we say, peace begins at home. So Amen. what can we do to build those peacemaking muscles at home? Oh, gosh. I think, first and foremost, take some time to study Scripture. And if you want a particular um, book to read, read Isaiah. Read the prophet Isaiah, because there's a beautiful interplay in Isaiah that brings to light how we are to be servants of our Lord, first and foremost. So for, for our listening audience, just take the time to study and meditate on the prophet Isaiah. We begin with chapter 1, because the whole uh, melody of Isaiah is basically being a true servant of our Lord. Uh, and then from there, really take the time to make a brief examination of conscience. Ask yourself, how have I served someone today? What have I done to really uh, bring someone closer to our Lord? How are my actions been a distraction to others? who may need a holy example. And that would be a simple examine, uh, examination of conscience that you can do on a daily basis. And three, uh, petition, uh, offer intercession for those in need uh, as well, uh, whether through Divine Mercy Chaplet or Rosary, again, meditation and scripture. 
And if time permits uh, to visit our Lord in Eucharistic adoration, or if time permits to make a daily Mass during the week, that would be phenomenal. So those are just some of the, the, the basic things you can do to, to strengthen yourself this day. Love it. Love it. Thank you, Doctor. Dr. Marlon Delatore. And we've been talking about Blessed Are the Peacemakers. Next week, next Tuesday, we'll be back to talk about Blessed Are They Who Are Persecuted for the Sake of Righteousness, for Theirs is the Kingdom of Heaven. Doctor, have a great Thanksgiving. You too. God bless you both. We'll Thank talk you. to you next week. God bless you. Bye. We're going to refill our mugs and be back to talk about gratitude in the saints with Christiana and Mike. Stay with us. My Jesus, before you ascended into heaven, you prayed that we would all be one, as you and your Father are one. But today, Lord, we seem more divided than ever. We are divided over political beliefs, gender, religion, ethnicity, color, and economic status. It is a division that cuts deeply, even through our closest relationships. You have warned us, Lord, that a house divided against itself cannot stand. Help me to remember that you are the cornerstone of this house, that your precepts, not ours, are the path to everlasting joy. Empower me with your grace to be an agent of healing and a proclaimer of truth and hope to this troubled world, one heart at a time. Armed with your sacred word, the sacraments, and the wisdom of the saints, you have given me everything I need to make a difference. You have created me for such a time as this, Lord, and I am ready to do your will. Amen. Do you have a minute for lasting happiness? Living virtuously is the way to freedom, happiness, and holiness. To grow in virtue, we must learn about it, practice it, and persevere in it. This is what the saints have achieved with excellence. An excellent example of obedience is seen in St. Padre Pio. He lived obedience heroically by assenting to authority when he was falsely accused. Rumors led Padre Pio's superiors to forbid him to offer Mass or hear confessions. He obeyed without complaint and did all that was asked. Eventually, it was proved that he was innocent, and his humility brought many to Christ. Let us ask St. Padre Pio to pray for us, that we too may grow in obedience. Educate yourself in virtue. Learn more at educationinvirtue.com. Welcome back, friends, to the St. Gabriel Cafe. I'm Amanda Miller. I'm Dave Orsborn. This is going to be a really fun conversation. We're going to talk about the saints and some of our favorite saints. And we're going to say saints and gratitude, but really, can you pick a saint that wasn't grateful? (laughs) No, I cannot. No? There you go. So, Mike, you're ready to tell us about one of your favorite saints. Uh, um, I'm going to start off with uh, St. Gemma Golgani. Um, she was born in 1878, and her mother died when she was about seven. And Gemma ended up taking care of the family, both spiritually and uh, in around the house and cooking and that kind of thing. Um, and, and so was her her dad and eight other kids, uh, or eight, eight kids total. And um, as I into her teens, um, it's like her brother Gino died from tuberculosis, and then she got gravely ill and recovered. And her father was swindled in a business deal. And then he died after suffering from throat cancer. So by the time she was 18, she went through all of this. Wow. Um, 
and, and then like after her her father died because of the bad business deal, debtors came in and took everything with the house. When I say everything, I mean the furniture. They literally came in and put their hands in the pockets of the children and took everything that they had. And so they were just completely destitute. And so the, the her and her family were reduced to total poverty. And there were times where uh, they only shared a two-egg omelet between all of them for the entire day. But she saw poverty as a gift to strengthen their reliance on divine providence. And, and she even had a special prayer to divine providence. And, and she, uh, despite all that, she prayed to suffer more, whatever was necessary to be a saint. And in answer to her prayers, she received tuberculosis of the spine. And to me, it's like to be grateful for the tiniest little bit of food, especially now we hear at Thanksgiving and Black Friday coming up and everything else, um, that, that just, to me, speaks volumes. It's just total reliance and trust upon divine providence and, and being grateful for whatever he provides, even if it's tuberculosis of the spine. That's a big ask. Huge. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, sit there and, and grumble when I have, you know, a toothache and <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, yeah, um, or one sixty one's a bit backed up. Right. Yeah. As I've been sick this past weekend, I've just been, you know, bemoaning myself. I'm just like, okay, it's really not that bad. I should yeah. be grateful that I'm actually living or, you know, have everything that I'm allotted. Yeah. And, and like St. John of Avila said, a single blessed be God in adversity is worth more than a thousand acts of thanksgiving and prosperity. And I think St. Gemma lived that in her life. Love it. Mike Lamort, Christiana Lee in the cafe with us, and we're talking about some of our favorite saints and how they showed gratitude, or as we said yesterday, I think I made up a new word, gratitudinal, <laughs> how they're gratitudinal. <laughs> <laughs> Christiana, who you got? I have Blessed Pure Giorgio Frassati. Oh, for the win. Yep. He <laughs> is a personal fave. Um, so a little bit about him. He was born in 1901. He died in 1925. So 24 years old. Wow. Very short life. But he was born to a really rich family. His dad owned La Stampa, which was a newspaper in Italy. And... He really had pretty much everything just given to him. And there's so many different stories about different like acts of mercy that he would do throughout his life. And even as like a little boy, there was a moment where a mother brought her little child knocking at the door, asking for food or for whatever. And he noticed that the little boy didn't have shoes. And so he took his own shoes off and gave them to the little boy um and so yeah Fursati was just known for living a life of um mercy he's also known as the man of the beatitudes um yeah and he has this quote from one of the letters to i believe it was a friend so there is a really good book if anyone is interested <laughs> It's called Letters to His Family and Friends, and it's a compilation of his actual letters. Mm -hmm. And throughout all of those letters, you constantly see the same statement. I cannot but give thanks to God at every moment. Um, 
And so that's why that's part of why he was known as the man of the Beatitudes, because he really lived out all eight of those Beatitudes um, and attributed everything to God. And so even though his family gave him everything, he would take the money that he was given to basically ride like the train to and from school and he would run to school and on the way find someone to give the money to because he he knew at the end of the day that even though he was given everything like it wasn't actually his Mm. i i love how at his funeral you know so many people turned out and his family had no no idea idea, Mm -hmm. uh that the impact that he had on others lives Mm -hmm. and one group of friends didn't know about this entire other huge number of people that that mm-hmm. he had witnessed to and evangelized and mm-hmm. uh, cared for yeah. in, in very real ways. Mm-hmm. And I also love how he's one of the patrons of uh, World Youth Day. Yeah. So great example. I think Carlo's going to give him a, a run for his money there. Though, so. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> what a great example, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it kind of reminds me of the story of his shoes. It reminds me of Blessed Chiara Badano, where mm-hmm. when she was a child, she was about four, and her mother said to her, you know, Chiara, you have too many toys. Let's gather some up that you're not playing with anymore, and so we can give them away to the poor. So at four years old, Chiara makes two piles. Here's all the new ones, and here's all the used ones. And she takes all the ones that were brand new, and gives them to her mom and says, here, these are for the poor. Your mom says, Kara, these are the new ones. And she says, well, we can't give the old used toys to other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. And who's this? Uh, Blessed Kiara Badano. Okay. Okay. Christiana Lee and Mike Lamort are here with us in the cafe. Do you have a favorite friend, Amanda? I am a fan of Thomas Aquinas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I guess... The brief story that comes to mind, you know, he, he does all this beautiful work writing about our Lord, and then our Lord appears to him and says, Thomas, you have written well of me. What can I give you in return? And he says, nothing but you, Lord. And to me, that is just, I don't know, what an act of of humility and gratitude and really the the recognition of the greatest gift and I think it was Father Adam yesterday he was talking about um, to to really have gratitude it's to be grateful in terms of a reckon recognizing the gift given so it's a, a contemplation a stepping back mm-hmm. and, and a realization of first and foremost I have been given a gift and from that flows gratitude. It's something that's not due to me. And Thomas Aquinas in this moment really realizes, well, the greatest gift is um, the gift of union with our Lord. And to me, that I, I guess speaks volumes of this idea of gratitude and, and not maybe wanting frivolous things, but wanting the greatest gift of all. Mm. That's beautiful. I will go to Blessed Solanus Casey. Mm-hmm. Just fell in love with him when I started uh, discerning with the Third Order Franciscans. You know, looked at a lot of Franciscans, and uh, you know, he passed away in 1957. So 
fairly fairly mm-hmm. recent. He was just beatified in 2017. We had the uh, honor of uh, being being there for his uh, beatification, which was uh, just a splendid, splendid, beautiful day. His humility, I think, and patience are what attracted me uh, initially. Uh, he served as a porter, when you know, a doorkeeper uh, there at the uh, at the friary up in uh, Detroit. And he, he had moved around a little bit. He spent a lot of time in Detroit, and he was in New York, and then also Indiana. But I think what a lot of people remember him for and there and there's still these you know the folks that their parents grandparents actually visited Solanus there at at the friary and he just sat in in a little room and welcomed people for hours and hours and hours every day and just spent time with them and he kept a book of all their prayer requests so he could intercede and lots of miracles uh, attributed to him, and um, yeah, it's it's his his. We've talked about the uh, ministry of presence, just his presence to people who needed care, mm-hmm. and his humility and uh, and just love for them. Well, well, I think that that word right there, humility, I mean, that's one of the things that all these saints share in common mm-hmm. is their humility and their trust on divine providence. I mean, can anyone name a saint, aside from not being thankful, that's not, you know, full of humility? Uh, St. Anthony said, what a person is before God, that he is and no more. Mm-hmm. And that recognition right there of who we are, where everything comes from, that is, is something that I think transcends all of the saints. And that is why they have such reliance upon divine providence, because they know that nothing that they have, mm-hmm. none of their skills, none of their riches, nothing is theirs. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're thankful. Have you heard before, I, I'm hoping I'm quoting this right, uh, that humility is the queen of all virtues? Has anyone heard that before? Uh, I think that's prudence. Yep. Prudence? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, I, um, I think. Uh, I, I'd have to double check on that, but I, I think that's... Uh, um, you know, uh, that's prudence. But uh, I know that um, uh, St. Bernard of Clairvaux said the most important virtue is humility, humility, and humility. Sorry, the most important three virtues are humility, humility, and humility. Well, then I'd call the king of all virtues. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, Mike, I think you make a great point that um, we do have to be humble in order to be also grateful. Right, right. right. Mm-hmm. And, and let's face it, you know, what is the opposite of humility is pride. That is the, that was the first to fall. I mean, that, that's what caused everything. Our entire disordered upside down world that we live in is pride. And so without humility to know who we are in the eyes of God, then everything else is pride. One of the uh, most impactful um, humility growing things that had on my life actually is as once I graduated high school, I spent a couple years doing 
uh, missionary work with a couple different programs and the entire your entire you know paycheck is completely fundraised right and it takes a really like it's i mean it's one of the most humbling things to go to somebody and say hey i have no money and i need your money so i can keep living this lifestyle that i'm going to live um and just recognizing that their gift is so impactful for me in my life when I was when I was living that I know Amanda and Chris you guys both also have similar experiences with that I'm sure um of this like wow every dollar that goes into my bank account doesn't actually even belong to me mm-hmm. it belonged to somebody else and they put it there on their own like free will um just this last Sunday our we had a visiting priest at my parish at St. Brendan's and um, just talking about this parable of the talents and, and recognizing that all of these things that God gives us belong to him first mm-hmm. and how humbling that is for us mm-hmm. to recognize that like this, like, you know, the clothes on my back, the food on my table don't even belong to me, but they belong to him first. Mm-hmm. And then maybe even to other people second before they belong to me. Mm-hmm. And, and he just made, drew this analogy that I think maybe we could break open a little bit too of this um, having the humility and, and gratefulness to recognize the gift. And some people in life, it, when they don't recognize that gift and when they don't step into that gratitude and thanking God for it, it's like getting a Christmas present from your grandmother and leaving it wrapped under the Christmas tree mm. Mm. and just leaving it there and like staring your grandma in the face. <laughs> like, that was cool, you know, but... <laughs> But that's as far as it gets and and how like dishonorable in that way to to just almost spite her by not opening the gift. I mean, one thing that um, just like from my experience of support raising a salary, um, it it strips you of whatever last bit of self-reliance you had um, in a really beautiful way. And it is. I think it can be a process too. So even for myself, um, I think I was raised to be a really hard worker and to have a good work ethic. And I had my own cleaning business and, um, what else did I do? I worked for my dad and I found a job on campus. Like I had three jobs during my time, um, at college. And, and then all of a sudden I'm asking people to give me money (laughs) for two years. Okay. Um, but it really does. It really, it really takes away that, that self-reliance that we have to like constantly like provide for ourselves. but not just only in, in a monetary sense, um, but just in general, like it, it teaches you how to rely on other people and to accept the gifts that you're given and to accept even something as simple as a compliment. Like Mm. I, I was talking about this with a friend um, a little bit ago, like how often do you receive a compliment and immediately return a compliment because we don't know how to receive. Mm. Um, And maybe I don't know if that is something as common for men, but I know for women like that happens a lot. Like someone compliments you and you like scan up and down. Like, what can I say? Oh, I like your shoes or I like your shirt. Or Um, you just wave it off and say, ah, it's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so I think it it really teaches you as a whole, like, how do you look at life through the lens of it is a gift, and um, 
I think that taught me a lot going into now working and not support raising anymore. Um, and realizing that's a gift in and of itself is it's a little less work. Um, but yeah, it really, I, I'm very thankful for having that self-reliance kind of stripped away for a time. And when we get started as kids, I mean, how often, you know, are we, we told like, you know, well, you don't want to do that for a career, mm-hmm. you know, that's not making enough money. Don't, yeah. don't be a flower arranger. You know, you want to be an engineer, you want to be a doctor, you want to be a lawyer, you mm-hmm. know, and that whole concept of self-reliance as opposed to reliance upon divine providence, mm-hmm. um, that that's just, you know, I, I think part of what gets us in this mess that we were in as a society today. And if you look at so many of these saints who had nothing or had everything and then had it all taken away mm-hmm. and okay, here's an, an excellent uh, case in point especially this time of the year, is St. Vincent de Paul. I mean, a lot of people don't know he started off poor. And his parents told him, hey, you don't want this life. Go work hard, everything else. And so he pursued the priestly life because he looked around and was like, you know what? These guys, you know, they get people bringing them stuff, whatever. They have a pretty secure life. I'm going to go be a priest. So while he was, you know, studying, while he was in seminary, his dad came to visit him. And because of the way his dad was dressed, St. Vincent de Paul disowned his own father and said, you know, get away from me. I don't want to be associated with you. And it wasn't until later that he had a conversion of heart. And then now we have the organization that bears his name Mm. of doing stuff for the poor. Mm. So he tried so hard to distance himself from the life that he had of poverty only to come back and realize that out of humility, everything is from God. Everything is from divine providence. I think humility is also that great gift that helps you be actually more grateful because you realize Mm -hmm. it doesn't come from your own hand. Mm -hmm. Like you were sharing, Mike, this idea of um, divine providence. You know, when when you are with less uh, and you receive, it it truly, it, it makes the gift almost more incredible. Exactly. Mike Lamort and Christiana Lee with us here in the St. Gabriel Cafe. I think of uh, Pope St. John Paul II also as mm. having just that, that lost everything and, and mm-hmm. suffered so much as, as a child and as a young man and his perseverance as well uh, in, in you know, continuing uh, to push forward gotta have a jp2 quote yeah (laughs) gotta have a jp2 quote uh remember the past with gratitude live the present with enthusiasm and look forward to the future with confidence and what that says to me i mean it mentions the gratitude but it also that present moment divine providence to meet it head on with enthusiasm but we haven't talked so much about trust mm-hmm. and, and that's such a uh, uh, key to these lives of gratitude in, in all situations that, you know, the recurring theme when you're looking through, you know, um, quotes on gratitude is in good times and bad times mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and having gratitude 
in in challenging, stressful, awful times requires trust. It, it's just not a feeling. You know, it, it, it's really you have that gratitude because you trust in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah it if, makes... if you don't have trust, then what? I mean, what is it really? Right. I I guess the first thought that came to my mind is do do you. In those opportunities that seem unfortunate, do you stew over it or do you immediately give God gratitude? For instance, you know, in a humiliating act, do you immediately, oh man, that was that was so unfortunate and feel all shamed or whatever? Or, wow, Lord, thank you. I must have needed an opportunity for humility. Help me to grow deeper in humility. Mm-hmm. I, like this, this, I think it's so important to take those opportunities as a moment of trusting God knows exactly what you need and then being grateful for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it the quote from Solanus Casey, thank God ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah. Always, always mm-hmm. thank God ahead of time. Um, St. Jose Maria Escriva, I like mm-hmm. his quote as well. Get used to lifting your heart to God in acts of thanksgiving many times a day because he gives you this and that because you have been despised because you have haven't what you need or because you have thank him in everything because everything is good i think that gets really to kind of this point also of giving thanks no matter what comes Mm -hmm. yeah and a lot of the times some of the things that come are for our own sanctification. Mm -hmm. It's chiseling away at those defects that we have. And if we're not willing to sit there and take what comes and take that, that, you know, that chiseling away, we're not being perfected. So it's a matter of taking that adversity and saying, God is giving this to me because he loves me because he wants to make me perfect. I mean, we're all unfinished pieces of marble, flawed marble. And he puts the chisel in the hand of Michelangelo and then puts the hammer in the other hand and he starts carving away at all of our imperfections. And sometimes it's going to hurt. A lot of the times it's going to hurt. But in the end, we have the Pieta. Mike Lamort, Christiana Lee, in the cafe, we're talking about gratitude and some of the examples that the saints have given us. Amanda, when you were talking, it reminds me immediately. Okay, I brought in JP too. Now I'm going to go to the Blessed Mother. All right. Yes. <laughs> her her um, Magnificat, mm-hmm. you know, which we pray uh, every evening as a part of evening prayer. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. You have it right there. It's humility, you know, mm-hmm. acknowledgement that, uh, you know, that Mary's a lowly servant. And yet, it the opening lines, the first movement, the first thoughts are to proclaim the greatness of the Lord and to rejoice in God, my Savior. And I mean, how can you have a grateful heart without being joyful? I mean, is that possible? 
No, I don't think so. It is. I mean, if you look at you know all these various saints, I mean, they had joy in their hearts mm-hmm. because of what God has given them. Um, Saint Servius of Rome is another good example. Uh, he lived in the early sixth century. He was an invalid all of his life, kind of like Saint Margaret of Castello. And and there, I mean, the two of them lived very parallel lives, actually. Um, I mean, he couldn't stand. He had severe palsy. And at some point, his parents were like, we can't take care of you anymore, and just left him on the doorstep of the church to beg for alms. Like, you know, missionaries, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but, but the whole time, he would, you know, he was joyful. He would sing hymns. He would ask people, you know, the passersby, can you read the psalms to me? Mm. And he's singing joy for God, and he has nothing. He's abandoned by his family. And yet, here he is proclaiming God's joy. And when people would give him alms, he would share it with people that he thought was less fortunate than him. I mean, what a testament of joy and faith and divine providence. I'm just like amazed that we're just talking about all the different similarities with the saints, with all having humility, all being joyful, just all of these different themes. And at the same time, they were all so different and they were just themselves. And it like gives me so much hope of like, wow, okay, I can be a saint too. Because um, it's just like the simple, little simple things every single day that the saints did and they were just consistent. And if they missed an opportunity or they failed somehow, the next day it was like, begin again and keep going. And, um, I don't know. I'm just like, wow, this is so cool. I, I love talking about the saints. When when you're canonized, St. <laughs> Christiana of... Oh, like of my patronage or... Of... Uh, of Steubenville. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I'm from. I'm from Steubenville. <clears throat> and, and you'll be patron of... Oh, I've actually never thought of that. Because these shows are all archived, so this will be a, a part of the, yeah. of the whole <laughs> process. Yeah. process. I'll consider this. Ooh. Hmm. I think there might be already a patron saint of artists, but I think you can have multiple. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Sure, why not? Artists and youth ministers. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And someday, <laughs> yeah, the, the patroness of uh, World Youth Day. Yeah. There, there you go. go. Mike. Lamort, yes. how about you? Uh, St. Mike of... Oh, gosh. Well, Pittsburgh. Uh, okay. If you want to get back to my, my original roots. And you'll probably be the first. Yeah, probably, yes. <laughs> oh, that was a cheap shot at Pittsburgh. I, I'm oh. sorry, folks. <laughs> that was for all of you from Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, um, yeah, gosh, I, I don't know. It's like, um, as far as patron saints, uh, patron saint of, I don't know, um, People who are still trying to figure out what they want to do when they grow up. <laughs> That's a good one. You know, um, but uh, so the patron saint of prolonged adolescence. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know. So I, I guess uh, patron saint of, uh, of advertisers and uh, you know uh, graphic design and um, that kind of thing. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as I, I I've spent a bunch of time doing that, but uh, I, I've kind of. Turned that over to, um, you know, it's like my 
my passion for that um, has kind of as, as melded with my, my passion for the saints and all that. Yeah. In a beautiful way. And I do want to mention this, uh, the book that you've put together, the saint challenge Yes, uh, is you, all those talents that you just mentioned all came together in, in this book, your love for the saints, your, mm-hmm. uh, design and, um, your artistry has, has produced a really beautiful book and we're grateful to have it here in the, uh, in the cafe, the saint challenge, a year of interesting people, amazing stories, and challenges to motivate you to sainthood. And I, I love that subtitle. <laughs> Interesting funny. people, they have amazing stories, and these are challenges to uh, to motivate us all yeah. to sainthood. And that, it, I mean, that's what this is all about, too. Yeah. Right? yeah. It's, well, it's about shaking up our faith, right? Yeah. About, about getting out of the doldrums, about, you know, waking up every day, like, like you said, mm-hmm. about, you know, it's like, you know what, I, I failed yesterday. But today I'm going to get up and I'm going to try it again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Actually, I just flipped to one of your pages randomly. And I like how in the book there's do the work. And today I'm going to do this. It's like an action plan. Right. I'm all about mm-hmm. practicality and action plans. Um, I like this. Today, prayerfully make a list of your excuses and make a plan to replace one of those with an action. And oh. yeah, because the saints, like you were sharing, Christiana, okay, yeah, sometimes we fail, but then the next day they make that resolution to try yeah. again. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we do have to put in the work if we're going to become saints, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, that's why the little icon is a hammer and chisel, because, you know, God's going to put the chisel where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. We have to pick up the hammer and do the work mm-hmm. uh, of actually swinging that hammer, know that it's going to hurt, and... Just put that work in anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, and that's what all the saints have done, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think what? a practical of that is uh, we, we've been talking about the examination of conscience, right? Okay, what is it, Lord, that mm-hmm. I'm struggling with? And then how can I combat that day to day? And then continuing to look at that. Okay, how did mm-hmm. I do today? Where did I succeed? Where did I fail? Mm-hmm. Um, in what ways have I failed or what circumstances? And how can I transform those those times to be more mm-hmm. i guess fruitful yeah and, and how can we use our talents in service of god I mean, going back mm-hmm. to, to sunday's readings uh, in the gospel yeah i found just having a nightly examine to be really really helpful um and something that i've noticed in myself is that when i am consistent with examining my day i feel less shame about the things that I have failed in, um, right? Because the enemy wants us to feel shame. Um, Guilt can be a good thing, but shame is from the enemy. And so when I'm examining the ways that I failed, maybe like wasn't, you know, living a very saintly um, day (laughs) or different moments, um, it helps me to actually be hopeful that tomorrow can be better and it helps me to have that perseverance to wake up and to try again and um i think that's another piece of this too is having friends around us that help remind us of what we were created for and also that call us out when we need to like check ourselves um and a lot of saints had really good friends or they had different mentors and they had different people in their life that was that were helping them to examine themselves to then become 
holier and to grow in humility or perseverance or to live in trust or to choose joy every day, whatever it was. Well, that's like, um, blessed Carl of Austria mm-hmm. is that when he and his wife got married, he said to his wife, now we have to help each other get to heaven. Mm-hmm. And so for married folks, you know, we need to help each other get to heaven. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, and that's a, one of the callings of marriage is to, to help each other. And it's something my wife and I uh, started doing, you know, years ago is like every Sunday night we would have a weekly review and we would basically just, like, here's all the, my, my struggle areas and here's how I failed this past week. And then we would just go through the week and it's like, okay, well, I was in this meeting or I did this or I missed that opportunity or whatever. And it got to the point where like, we don't even really need the, okay, it's Sunday night. We have to do our weekly review. Now it's just every day. Like after the kids are in bed, it's like, okay, here's how I messed up today. <laughs> mm. But what a great opportunity, mm. Mike Lamort and uh, Christiana Lee in here in the cafe with us to use uh, technology to stay in touch with others throughout the day. Mm-hmm. If you approach your day as as a uh, string of, of present moments, then you may fail in one moment, but the next moment's available to you to do better. Mm-hmm. And then to invite other people into your life to to help you. Uh, and they, these could be, I'll call them real life friends, friends here on earth, let's call them that, or yeah. friends, uh, you know, in, in heaven that uh, can encourage us and inspire us and and intercede for us to, uh, to do better in that next in that next moment. So lots of opportunities for help. So guys, Thanksgiving, two days away. Tell us something that you're grateful for this year. I know for myself, um, moving to Columbus and I've just experienced a community and a family who's really taken me in, loved me, helped provide it for me and um, really given me a place in their home. And so I'm, that's what I'm most grateful for. I'm really grateful for, um, the family and the friends that the Lord's put in my life, um, yeah, I think through all the ups and downs of life, having those people that are consistent and that speak life and truth into into my life has been such a gift. And I'm just constantly reminded that, yeah, like I wouldn't be able to do the things that I do without them. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I'm, you know, like every day, uh, I am thankful for another day here on this earth with my wife and two daughters that just fill my life with joy. Amen. Always Amen. thankful for the family, thankful for this faith, thankful for the opportunity to be with you every weekday mm-hmm. to, uh, to share the love of the Lord. From Philippians chapter 4, have no anxiety at all, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. With grateful hearts, we love you. God bless.